welcome to our second episode of the Audio Evangelist, an avid podcast. I'm your host, Greg Strike-Chin, and I want to say thank you all so much for coming back. It's uh, great to be back for episode two. We're back a little bit earlier than we had anticipated. Uh, obviously, it's uh, Emmy season coming up, so we wanted to make sure that we uh, we feature some talent. And here at Avid, we've got some really amazing customers, users that uh, use our, our products, obviously Pro Tools, our control surfaces, our audio interfaces, and so much great work is being done by this very talented community. Uh, it was really important for us to be able to showcase and uh, shine a spotlight. Uh, of course, Emmy nominations have been announced. Uh, the show is going to be airing uh, Sunday, September 20th. And we're very fortunate today to have two different teams, uh, both Emmy nominated, who have worked on two different Netflix shows. We have the audio team from Space Force, the first season on Netflix. And we also have the audio team from season three of Ozark, both really incredible shows. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit longer than than uh, we, what we normally would do because we've got these two outstanding teams. We wanted to make sure we spent some time with, with both of those teams. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we did that, first want to just, again, thank everyone for tuning in for the first episode uh, with Francois Carell, our director of uh, Pro Tools Software and Control Surfaces. Uh, we've been getting some really great comments. Thank you all for your feedback. We've got some great ideas from our listeners. I'm sure we're going to look into some of those and bring you some great content moving forward. Hope everyone's staying safe. We still find ourselves in this pandemic, and I do hope everyone's staying safe and keeping well. So without further ado, again, we have an extended show today, uh, so we want to make sure we get right into it. So again, one of the reasons I wanted to kind of do this show is really highlight and celebrate uh, audio post and the the work that goes on there. I think it's important to recognize the level of talent, the skill set, and the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into creating audio, whether it's music, foley, uh, mixing of all the dialogue and uh, the mixing of the show in general, whether it's a stereo mix, uh, a full Atmos mix, a 5-1 mix, whatever that might be. Uh, it takes a talented team of people working together as a team to create the audio that we we love and enjoy of some of our favorite shows and films. So today we have the honor of of uh, spending some time with two really amazing teams. So without further ado, let's jump right into the first interview. I have the honor of uh, spending some time with the re-recording mixers of Netflix's season one of Space Force, John Cook and Bill Frisch. Now, John and Bill both uh, mix out of NBC Universal Studio Post at Universal Studios, and they were kind enough to offer up some time. Uh, they've been nominated for uh, an Emmy for the show, specifically for an episode entitled Save Epsilon 6. If you've not seen the show yet, uh, I do uh, encourage you to check it out. I'm about halfway into the season and, and really digging it. I love Greg Daniels and the stuff that he's done. And of course, a great cast all surrounding uh, Steve Carell. So without further ado, here's my interview with re-recording mixers of Space Force Season 1, John Cook and Bill Frisch. So guys, we're, we're, uh, we have the, uh, the honor and pleasure of having the Emmy-nominated team uh, from audio team from Space Force. We've got uh, Mr. John Cook and Mr. Bill Frisch, both re-recording mixers who have worked uh, on the show and many others. Um, and uh, first, I want to say congratulations to you guys. You guys have a, uh, an Emmy nod for uh, Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Comedy or Drama Series and Animation, 30 Minutes or Half Hour. Emmys, <laughs> they, they've got these very long titles. 
um, but they're, they're, they're so very specific. But um, congratulations to you guys. We're really, really excited uh, for you. And yeah, I guess the first thing I'd ask oh, okay. is how do you guys feel? <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thanks so much for having us on. Um, I feel great. I mean, you know, I always say we're pretty lucky to to be doing on a daily basis what we love, what we would be doing anyway. Um, and to have the, the added benefit of getting a, a pat on the back from, from our peers is, is pretty amazing um, because, you know, we love what we do. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, John, Bill, for our listeners who maybe are newer to this side of work or trying to you know, really figure things out. You know, how'd you get into this? You know, how, how'd you become re-recording mixers? And what does that really mean to you guys? Bill, you want to kick it off? Um, sure. Uh, well, I got, actually got my start. Uh, I started mixing for bands when I was in high school. And uh, just, you know, whether it was a high school gymnasium or, you know, the clubs and whatnot. Um, that kind of ended me up in Connecticut uh, working for uh, some of the members of the Alice Cooper group. And uh, Neil, the drummer, had a house in Greenwich uh, with a full basement that I turned into a recording studio. And uh, we used to do, uh, you know, work on their solo projects and whatnot there. And it, we ended up, uh, one of our times uh, ended up in Record Plant, New York, and I had met... Uh, a gentleman by the name of Lita Carlo, who was the chief engineer of Record Plant New York. And he offered me a job. Or, or, I'm sorry, Record Plant Los Angeles. And he offered me a job. And uh, so I, I flew out, or drove out and became uh, part of LA and, and uh, worked there for quite a few years. Um, in the process, I ended up, uh, Record Plant started uh, Paramount uh, scoring, Stage M. Um, uh, record plant scoring and uh, over at Paramount. And I got to know Danny Wallen uh, really well as famous scoring mixer. And Danny was always trying to just get me in to get into post. And I kept going, no, 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 I'm kind of, I want to stay in records. And, and uh, eventually uh, uh, I just kind of caved in on that and uh, uh, ended up uh, working at a little studio in Burbank called EFX. And uh, we did quite a bit of uh, new line movies. Um, uh, we did uh, 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 Mask and Dumb and Dumber and, and Mortal Kombat and uh, Dead Presidents, I think. And, and uh, so that was kind of my start in post. Um, I ended up uh, meeting a, a gentleman by the name of Rusty Smith that uh, we worked together over at EFX, and then he moved over to sony uh eventually i uh followed him over there at sony and ended up working with him uh, uh on the simpsons for about 10 years and uh various projects and and uh we got into working with uh hbo at the time so we did uh, deadwood and rome uh big love and uh, so that was about five or six years of hbo um i left uh uh, Sony came over to uh, Universal and uh, uh, worked with uh, Elmo Pons Dominic for a year and then uh, joined up with uh, Joe DeAngelis on, uh, uh, because of my experience with HBO, uh, they had a show Banshee uh, for Cinemax that uh, they wanted me involved in. And I did a couple of seasons, a couple of years with that. And then uh, 
you know, there was this uh, kind of shuffle of people around and, and the mixers were kind of moving all over the place. And John and I both ended up uh, um, kind of short a mixer. And uh, uh, Universal uh, agreed to, you know, put us together and, uh, and we've kind of been that way since. So That's a great segue to, to, to John. <laughs> About, what is it, five years, Bill? Yeah, I think we started working together maybe in uh, 2015 or something, I think. Six, about six years. Oh. It's been a good run, Bill. It has uh, been. We've uh, had a lot of fun together. And, and uh, at the time, John was uh, uh, mixing a lot of half-hour shows, and I had uh, a fair amount of experience in, in one-hour dramas, and so we thought the combination would be good, and we'd both bring our our parts to the table and uh, see where we go. You know, I think it's turned out great. I've been uh, thrilled to work with John. It's been an awesome time. Likewise, Bill. Um, so Greg, I, um, you know, pretty much my, from the time I was maybe 13 or 14, I pictured being, uh, a working musician. Um, and I, I went to, college at Colorado college and majored in music and, um, saw the, I got interested in the USC, uh, scoring program. So I thought maybe film scoring would be the way I'd go. Um, I tried for about five years and I always felt like I, I was, um, I'd end up writing writing really good music, but the time that it took, I just didn't have the depth of chops that a lot of these a lot of these guys that are able to do this uh, day in and day out in this industry. I mean, these guys are super talented, and the depth of their chops I didn't quite have. Um, and I always joke that uh, post production is 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 a great sort of plan b for us musicians and you know besides being a, a plan b for us musicians um it's also a great you know in in some respect or another we figure out how to still keep music in our lives and uh to what extent varies on how many hours we're sitting in front of the console uh mixing tv and, and movies um, so I fell into post-production kind of from the ground up. I had a friend that was building a facility, a place called Hollywood Digital, um, that has since, uh, that since I think got bought up and, uh, that's, uh, I, I th it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I went over to Tadeo. Uh, for about 11 or 12 years, you know, pretty exclusively um, working on on half-hour comedies. Um, I, I worked on the, the CBS Radford lot um, in Studio City, and for the most part, that lot um, rents sound stages to comedies. They had a lot of... Uh, uh, four camera shows on that lot. And, uh, at the time the owner, the, uh, the president of, of, uh, Tadeo, um, 
J.R. DeLang, he thought uh, it'd be a great business idea since we didn't have any sort of, he didn't have any mixing presence for that uh, market. Uh, he thought all we had to do was basically put a sign up that we mix on that lot. And to a large extent, that's what happened. I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of experience. I had, I was lucky at Hollywood Digital to have one show and it was a great show called The Larry Sanders Show. Love that show. <laughs> <laughs> that gave me some street cred, even though I didn't have a lot of hours put in. And that, uh, that helped me kind of open that room at Radford. Um, after about 10 or 11 years, um, a guy that I was working for over there, Chris Jenkins, uh, he had moved over to Universal and uh, he offered uh, me and my whole department to come over and sort of have a boutique sort of uh, arm of the sound department at Universal um, and to continue doing what we were doing. And that's kind of how we started over there. Um, but it slowly transitioned into more dramas um, and um, it just kind of diversified in a way that I, I was hoping it would. Um, and that's about it, you know, over the years, just working, just lucky enough to work on some great, great stuff a lot of good comedies and um some really great um dramas with sam esmeal and um i did the office at universal and it's amazing how that core group of executive producers branched out and went on to mike sure went on to do parks and rec and the good place and um um, a lot of really good writers came out of that, came out of that boot, that office boot camp. So it's amazing to me um, to hear you both. You know, I, I didn't know previous to this that you guys had really come from from more music backgrounds. I, I think right now one of the things that I find really really interesting uh, here at Avid is is you know we engage with a, a obviously a huge pretty pretty big customer base, and a lot of the uh, I don't say kids because then that makes me sound old. But uh, the the uh, folks who are starting off their 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 journey, I I was shocked to see that how, how many of them now not shocked but I, I pleasantly surprised are really looking at the you know careers in audio post so things like production mixer re recording mixers looking at that as that that is their chosen career path so that's that's that is the plan A and I think it's a great plan A because I think there's a lot of creativity that goes into into that kind of work. Um, but it's interesting to me that, you know, they, the, a lot of these folks don't have music backgrounds. They're, they're really coming at it from an appreciation, um, for, you know, for, for the kind of work you, you guys do for that work, you know, and that is its own art form, which I think is amazing. I think that's great. And I think that's a real testament to, to, to the work you guys do, but I am happy to hear that you guys do come from a, mu a music background because I think that does also inform how you how you work now i mean would i be would i be correct in saying that i think it's true um people people have said that over and over to me um in my career um certainly clients that know that i had started out as a musician um tend to say mixers with music backgrounds tend to have um 
you know, I don't know exactly what it is. Tend to have more of a um, sense of dynamics, maybe. Uh, tend to have um, maybe more of the emotional um, component of what mm-hmm. we do. Sure. Because um, certainly we're we're technicians, you know, seventy five percent of the time. But I think that what part of the magic of what or part of the, you know, what Bill and I are able to do together is, you know, really, really jump in on that 25% in terms of, of storytelling. And, uh, um, as much as storytelling is a part of music making, you know, I think that that sensibility, I think gives us a a leg up. Do you get the same kind of sense, Bill? I would have to agree. I mean, you know, there, uh, there's so many nuances in music uh, coming from uh, the engineer side, you know, I mean, you know, whether you're balancing guitars or vocals or, or whatever, and the hours spent just like noodling, you know, micro mixing and, and getting songs just the way you want them. And, and uh, you know, mixing for television film is very similar. I mean, there's, there's many layers to this. And, and, uh, and as John was saying, it's really, part of our job is to guide their, the attention of people, you know, in, in telling that story and what the, what the directors are, the story that they're trying to get across. And then, so we're helping, we're complementing that. And uh, you can do that through sound by changing the focus, you know, and, and uh, it really is just a blend of many parts. It's no different than, than making a, a song or, um, you know, we've got backgrounds, we've got uh, group, uh, Walla, we've got dialogue, music, and source, and, and effects, and everything. And it's all just—it's all just getting that nice little blend, and, and uh, really trying to tell the story that we're there to help. You know, so having that background has just been a tremendous help for me. Sure, I, you know, it's funny to me because I was—you uh, know—when I first was introduced to really what what audio post is, I remember seeing certain some sessions. And there was one session, I, I, you know, I don't remember the name of the show. It was a, a show out of Europe that we had gotten a Pro Tools session of, you know, with a, with a clip. And I remember, you know, it, it was everything. It was dialogue, uh, Foley, music. But if I hadn't pressed play and, and hadn't looked at the track, you know, track titles and, and list, to me, it looked like a symphony. In the way it was laid out, there was something very rhythmic about it, which I think, you know, I think that's part of the thing that plays into it. I did want to ask you guys, kind of, you know, keeping on the music theme, pardon me, that's kind of my, that's my thing, right? But thinking about um, the work that you guys have done. So you guys have done several shows, worked on several shows together. In music, you know, folks, musicians tend to get kind of, um, you know, whether they pigeonhole themselves or the label does it or the, the audience does it, you know, artists will tend to be known for one or so genres of music, right? That they're, they're, That's really what they're best known for you guys have a really nice, really big, beautiful palette of different kinds of shows. So you've got drama, comedy, some science fiction. I mean, you know, John, you worked on Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome. I mean, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. And then, you know, The the Office, Parks and Rec. You guys have done, you know, Mr. Robot together, Veep, Parks and Rec. How do you even think to approach that kind of breadth of, of, of 
stuff. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the content is all different. The way you're going to approach it, I'm sure, is going to be different. There's a lot of different challenges there. So before we get into, I'm going to ask you how you guys work together and maybe we'll talk through some workflow stuff. But that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of great genres, but very different genres that require different kinds of, I don't know if you want to call it skill set or feel or whatever it might be. How do you guys even think to approach that? Thanks, Greg. I mean, it, it's, but I mean, first of all, trying to, to, to not pigeonhole ourselves has been, has been kind of a constant job, you know, trying to fight against that and, um, and, um, just try to secure the work and prove through the doing of the work that we can do different genres. I think, I think probably most mixers are capable of doing any of the different formats that are, are thrown at them on, on our level, you know? Um, I think that from a dialogue perspective, um, there is kind of a basic, one basic difference uh, between the way that I approach comedies and dramas. And um, with the comedies, everything has to be super punchy. Um, not a lot of variance, not a lot of playing of depth. Um, I feel like in the last couple of years, there's there's been a handful of comedy um, showrunners that have been more open to playing a little more depth, playing things off screen, playing with panning. Um, but for the most part, it's it's in your face. Whereas drama, I think you've got a lot more ability to play that depth, um, play things super quiet um, when there's an opportunity to do that. Um, you know, loop group on, uh, so on my side, for people that don't know, I'm, I'm covering dialogue, loop group and music and ADR. And so for loop group in the dramas, it tends to, tends to need a little bit more care, a little bit more attention. Um, and certainly with music. Um, it's in there being more a part of the storytelling as opposed to transitional kind of stuff. And with Atmos, um, you get into, um, how you're treating the music in the room. Um, all of that said though, I will say it's Space Force is a comedy and, you know, we treated, Greg was kind of supportive of playing a lot of dynamics in the, um, in the dialogue and he was supportive of spreading the music in the room. So I think things are changing maybe a little bit, you know, all these rules that I just said were kind of the rules that I was used to regurgitating over the first 20 years of my career, but it is, I think it is changing. It did kind of feel to me, you know, that you guys were actually the perfect pair to do this based on everything that you've done. Because, you know, watching Space Force and listening to Space Force, obviously it's, it is, you know, it's a Greg Daniels comedy, but there is some weight there. There's certainly some dramatic moments where, you know, I think being able to rely on your guys' expertise in that field 
really helps some of those scenes um, to be able to be translated and or come across the way they need to. If I think if you guys were relying on just your experience with the comedies and didn't have that, uh, you know, the ability to 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 know how to work, you know, in 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 a more dramatic sense, I think it would have just really kind of, in a sense, been I don't say flat, but it would have really kind of adhered to to what those previous rules are. So kudos to you guys. You know, I, I haven't. I'm full disclosure. I haven't made it all the way through uh, the season yet, uh, specifically because while everybody else, I'm sure, is is taking in a ton of content, I've been extremely busy, uh, also creating content. But um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it up probably by the end of next week. And now I I'm I'm really glad I was able to talk to you guys kind of at my midpoint in the season because now I'm gonna go into it with a different uh, you know more informed set of ears. Um, I did want to ask you guys, um, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, John, you mentioned Atmos, working in Atmos. And is that something, what was that, you know, is that something you guys are, are doing a lot more of? Is it something you find interesting or there's any challenges that you find there? Do you enjoy it? I love it. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, going back to music, I mean, the way, the way I can spread music around the room is really, really fun. Um, and so for me, that's primarily what I'm doing. Um, Bill and I have done three or four Atmos shows now. Um, on the Deadwood movie, we we were we had the time to really experiment with some Atmos concepts. Um, fortunately, we had the time because we we went really wide on things and really high on things. And after the first playback, we were sort of encouraged to pull things a little bit more onto the screen. And Bill, Bill can talk about that more. But from my perspective, playing with music in the room is, is just a blast. And to play the off-screen loop group um, and the occasional, uh, uh, the occasional stuff in the ceiling for me, a big thing that I'm doing too is reverbs on so in the case of space force in the control room i've got a basic reverb that i had set up for that and i'm playing a little bit of uh of the room reflections up on the, on the ceiling and that um i'm sure bill can add a lot more to to what he's doing uh well i have to be honest i mean you know we we worked a lot and uh and the first atmos movie that i got to go see was uh, Mission Impossible, uh, I think, uh, Skyfall, I think it was the name of it. And I was just blown away by their ability to take the music off of the screen during the action scenes. It was just like, it was awesome. Uh, you know, the score was up on the screen in the moments that it needed to be, and then it just kind of came back off the screen and during the scenes, the chase scenes and whatnot, really blew me away. So I became a big fan of it. Uh, really quickly um we uh until we uh really got to uh working on an apple show um um that encouraged us to uh, uh, convince universal that uh that we needed atmos to be able to uh, to do these kind of shows and, and uh, so uh we moved out of our stage for a while onto another stage while they uh 
uh, installed Atmos on our stage, and uh, uh, and I think is a was a Space Force the second one on our stage. I think the first Can't second remember. one, but I, I was pre dub and Deadwood. Um, right, that's right. I was. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, you know we've finally got a chance to start playing with it, and and uh, uh, you know it has its own challenges. Uh, uh, you're much broader in your track assignments and uh and how you lay things out and uh i had worked on uh, uh sean gernhart who was the sound supervisor or sound effects supervisor and sound effects editor um he uh has a studio in new jersey at his house i guess and so we collaborated between the two of us on how we were going to um create a template that would not only work for him to be able to edit into and premix what he does and for me to be able to drop that onto my s6 console and be able to work the way i want to work uh and so over a course of a sh short period of time we came up with the variations and finally settled on a template that worked for both of us um and uh, which also really helped during the mixing process because as we had changes or ads i would receive them from sean and they would already have i'd already know what tracks to drop them on because we've you know we've been working together so yeah, I, I could just drop them right onto where they're supposed to be and away we go and that really helped the process uh, you know in, in a time crunch kind of thing um but uh, yeah you know it's it's you, i i guess Part of it was, uh, again, you know, you're telling a story and it's great to have Atmos and it's great to have, you know, things moving all over the place. But if it's just, if it becomes a distraction from what we're trying to focus on on the screen, then, you know, it's just, it just doesn't work, you know. So there's still that balance and it is comedy and it is, you know, story flows and, and, uh, and so you're supporting that. But, uh, uh, Whereas in a bigger action movie, it plays a much bigger role. Uh, it was, it supported the show and uh, and dealt with the Atmos delivery for for the project. So, so walk us through a little bit of you know you, you guys know that you're on Space Force. You're going to be doing it. You're working on it. You know it's a Greg Daniels show. Um, how did you approach it? Like, well, what's a day in the life? What what does it look like to work on an episode? Um, no, specifically, you guys are nominated for uh, Save Epsilon Six, right? So, what what does that look like? You know, is it are you guys working together? Are you working separately, or a combination of both? You know, are you in front of one Pro Tools rig? You know, Bill, you mentioned that you know you you uh, a lot of your work is done on an on an S six. Um, what, what does that kind of look like? Because I, I know folks are going to really want to know some of those details. <laughs> oh, well, Bill and I have uh, we've sort of refined uh, a system that we found works best best for our clients um the the pace of getting through these shows is is pretty high paced um we had the um we had the luxury of having a, a three-day mix i mean we had to be finished in two days because day three tended to be a lot of um playbacks and fixes and changes um but two days is a pretty good pretty good amount of time for uh, for that show 
Um, and what we've a lot of a lot of what we need to do basically is we can't both have the speakers at the same time because Bill and I really like to work in a pre-dub kind of uh, way, much like uh, mixing a movie, except instead of having two rooms, we have two sets of, we've got one set of speakers and we've got one and two sets of headphones. So um, our standard way of working is uh, Bill will work up backgrounds on headphones while I take the speakers and kind of work up the first six or seven minutes of the show. Um, and when I say work up in the way that Bill and I work, I like to get 90% of the way there with my pre-dub instead of like some, some other mixers like to just do like a volume pass or, you know, a basic leveling pass, that kind of thing. I really like to get all my ADR completely matched, all my, uh, all my dialogue basically where I want it to be, all the music where I want it to be. And then um, at that point, after getting about six or seven minutes into the show, I'll let Bill have the speakers and then I'll take headphones. And then we trade back and forth until the show's finished. And the, the beauty of working this way We'll give away our secret here, and I think I think clients out there will appreciate that. Um, the beauty of working this way is that as soon as I give the speakers to Bill, and Bill starts working up at any point when Bill's finished a scene, he can play it back for the client, and it's ninety five percent of of the mix being finished. Yeah, not only that, uh, the client. Uh gets to participate during that whole period too. So sure. they're listening as I'm working my way forward, they're hearing pretty much everything that's going to be in their show and can direct or make notes or, or whatever, you know, as we're going, as opposed to having to wait at the end for a playback. Uh, so I think that's quite helpful too. It keeps the client engaged in what's going on on the stage. Uh, they're, you know, involved with the show. They can still get their work done that they need to do and still hear and pay attention. And uh, uh, I think overall, I think, you know, we decided this works kind of the best for us. I've got a uh, engineering set me up with, uh, well, John as well, uh, with a, uh, probably have the pronunciation wrong. I'm not sure if it's Smith box or Smythe. Uh, but anyway, it's a uh, headphone box that allows me to listen in 7.1 on my headphones. And really, uh, and so it, I use earbuds and John uses headphones. Um, it feeds the seven one out of our systems and, uh, we set it up. There's a setup process that you have to go through. And when you set it up now, I can hear my seven one mix in my headphones and it pans around. I mean, it's great. So it allows me to get a pretty good, um, uh, placement, uh, spatial and balance of backgrounds without having to have the speakers. And, and, um, like John said, you know, our time is limited. So we want to kind of make the best use the room the, the best we can, you know? And, and sure. uh, uh, so I can get pretty close and then, uh, I tend to avoid real loud scenes on my headphones simply because I don't want to blow my brains out. Um, but I, I can work up a lot of the technical stuff. I can do a lot of the panning and, and 
basic mm-hmm. EQs that I know that I need to do or setting up reverbs or uh, getting everything ready so that when I do have speakers, I can use that time efficiently in mixing and not uh, or in final kind of blend as opposed to technically you know, doing stuff that just takes a lot of time. So uh, sure. that's been very helpful, I think. And, uh, um, you know, John, when he goes on headphones, he's able to get, you know, uh, pretty close, I guess, to where he wants to be. So that when he does get back on speakers, again, he's making good, you know, use of that time as well. And uh, we found that that kind of works the best for us. Everybody's got a different uh, uh, workflow. Sure. Uh, yeah, Greg, I mean, for the, uh, in, I think in the mixing TV these days, it's pretty standard for one of the partners. I mean, first of all, it's pretty standard for two, two mixers, except for the, the New York formula, which seems to still largely be one man mixes. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure how they're doing that because I, I had a client who was thinking about coming from a New York stage out to our, out to LA to mix. And the budgets are the same. So I don't know how those guys are getting through in the amount of time that they're doing their stuff. They don't like talking about it too much. <laughs> uh, I have those conversations uh, in some of my visits. And I, I think a lot of it just has to do with, uh, yeah, that, that's an East Coast thing. <laughs> <laughs> or East Coast, West Coast. But I think, you know, the, the headphone thing is, is, is everywhere now in LA yeah. at least. And mm-hmm. uh, so... I am glad to know that we're we're at a point technology wise right now where I mean I don't think we're 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 never going to be fully satisfied as as creators and as folks sitting behind a, a, a console or a desk. There's always going to be something else we we're going to want or need. But I think kind of looking back, uh, just you know five years and certainly ten more, how far we've come. You know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, lo- I'm looking at two of my headphones here. I, I would never even think to 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 think, uh, think about mixing on headphones where I've actually now uh, I've delivered. So, um, you know, in my room, it's a music room. We bought this house last year. It's not been treated, you know, for obvious reasons we've not been able to do anything right now. Uh, this is supposed to happen during the summer. Um, but I still have music to deliver. So, um, I don't, I don't trust the room because there's a lot of reflection, a lot of issues, uh, with low end management in the room, but being able to use a good set of open back headphones, I'm actually now deli- able to, to, to deliver a mix or at least come back and, you know, tweak some stuff up. I wasn't able to do that several years ago. But what I wanted to do is give you guys an opportunity as we're getting close to wrapping up here. But, um, you know, our, our listenership's kind of wide, but we do have a lot of developers, certainly internally here at Avid, our engineering and, and, and product team, are, are, they're going to be listening. Um, where, you know, is there anything that you guys uh, think, you know, w- tools that you need, whether it's in Pro Tools or whether it's in Atmos, whether it's in the in plug-in form or whatever that might be. Is there anything that you guys are, are thinking about right now technology-wise that, that, that you're looking at that you'd like to see happen to serve your needs? Well, a big, I, I would say the most time-consuming thing of what I do is matching ADR. Um, mm-hmm. And that requires um, dirtying up the studio mic to match the dirty production mic. Um, it's adding saturation. It's adding a little bit of distortion. Uh, the one thing I tend to struggle with is proximity from the mic. And I know there's a couple of developers out there. If you guys 
had, uh, you know, could get into that chase, that would be amazing because when you're recording ADR in the studio, if you are two feet from the mic and you need to make it sound six feet, there's only so much I can do with EQ um, to push it back. And, you know, I, right. I do a lot of work with trying to add a little bit of delay or a little bit of re room reverb. Um, first and then after and uh so it's just a lot of work for me if there was some um crazy code you could write that would just be like put that mic five feet away from from the actor that'd be that'd be amazing an amazing thing we might have to talk about some of that offline there, i i think we i think i know who we should talk to about that all right sure. man uh, that's a really great idea, and I, 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 yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense. How about you, Bill? Any anything for you that that you're looking for? You know, uh, uh, we made the jump uh, from an Icon. We were on an Icon for a pretty long time. We're now on an S6. Uh, my side of the consoles, thirty six fader, thirty two faders. John's uh, twenty four. We both got center sections consoles, maybe you know, twelve some odd feet long. Um, we're both running on HDX two systems, I think. Um, so I've got plenty of voices. I've got plenty of tracks. Sometimes when track counts, 400, 500 tracks. Um, uh, the gear has gotten really good. You know, um, uh, John has to deal with a lot of environmental issues, uh, whether it's a plane flying by or whether it's using a lav microphone or, or uh, and, and he's having to dig a lot, you know, using uh, plugins to uh, fix issues that it, sometimes it's amazing to me that it's like oh my gosh I, I can't believe that you were able to accomplish that you know and but for me most of my sounds are pretty you know pristine they're good recordings from uh typically if we're working with uh sound supervisors that have their own libraries that have gone out and done their own recordings people i know that i'm on this supervisor on mr robot would fly to new york and sit on a sidewalk and just record people walking by, you know? And, and, uh, so I get kind of more of a pristine thing and, uh, and it's edited really well by the editors. So, uh, it, for me, it's kind of like playtime more so. And, uh, and, and honestly, the tools I have are, are, are great. You know, um, I've got all the verbs I need and all the EQs I need and, and, uh, access to them really quickly on the console. I can move things around and, uh, it's all kind of working together now. It's a little, the S6 is not as quite as fast as the Icon was simply because it's doing so much more. Uh, so I had to kind of like throttle back just a little bit, you know, uh, but once I got into the groove of that, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome console. And uh, so I got no complaints. I got really actually no wishes. Well, that's, uh, we won't tell anybody that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's to, you know, we work with so many different people and, and, uh, and it's great to work with other people because you get to see how they do something differently and you go, Oh, great. I should try that. Or I've never tried that plugin before. And I get to try that, you know, and, and, and that whole experimenting process is awesome. And there's, there's a lot of great software out there and, uh, and, you know, you, you don't even know what you don't know. So, you know, it's like every time you get to play with something, but you're only limited by so much time. So play time is kind of, uh, it's got to be, at the right moment. 
I am really glad to know that you both, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I, I can hear it in, in your work. It's really great to know that you guys really, really enjoy what you do. Uh, again, I think that, that, that shows we, we can hear that in the work. Um, looking forward to, to much, much more. Uh, you know, we were, we're about out of time here, but I, I wanted to say again, thank you both so very much for, for joining us. This has been really special for me. Um, I've learned a lot and, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to, uh, well, for, you know, good luck on the Emmy nom. Um, I hope, uh, you know, fingers crossed, I will be rooting for you guys. And, uh, you know, looking forward to what's next for you guys. And um, again, thank you. And, uh, you know, any, any last words you guys want to offer up before we wrap up? Just thanks so much for reaching out, Greg. And uh, best of luck to you on the, on the podcast. Um, like I said, I listened to the first one with thanks Francois. So. And, uh, and uh, that was great. It was great uh, hearing thank a little you. bit of in, inside perspective of Avid. Um, and everybody stay safe out there. Yeah, thank you, Greg. Really appreciate it. So again, congrats to John and Bill on their Emmy nomination. Hope you guys enjoyed that. It was great getting to spend some time with John and Bill, getting to know them a little bit better, getting to know their workflow a little bit. Uh, as you can see, you know, they're very passionate about what they do. They really love what they do. And I think that really comes across in their work. Also wanted to send a special thank you to Aaron Rogers from NBC Universal for helping get John and Bill to appear on the show, along with Jess Bedford uh, from Netflix. So special thank you uh, to you, Aaron. Really appreciate being able to work with you and, of course, Jess. Now, as I said, this is an extended episode. Uh, we've got another really amazing audio team that I had the opportunity to spend some time with. Many of you are familiar with the really amazing Netflix show Ozark. They're now in their third season. And I had the honor of uh, spending some time with the audio team from that show, specifically season three. Um, Kevin Valentine, Larry Benjamin, Flip Barrero, and Phil McGowan. Kevin and Larry are both re-recording mixers. Uh, Flip is the production mixer for the show, and Phil McGowan is the scoring mixer. They're nominated for Outstanding Sound Mixing for a comedy or drama series. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Here's my time with the Ozark Season 3 audio team. So guys, uh, welcome. We have the, uh, the Emmy-nominated uh, team from Ozark Season 3. Uh, they've been nominated for Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Comedy or Drama Series, One Hour 2020. Um, I am, it's my great pleasure and honor to be joined by a really amazing team. Kevin Valentine, Larry Benjamin, who are both re-recording mixers. Uh, Flip Barrero, uh, who's known that way on the East Coast. Uh, production mixer, and of course, uh, Phil McGowan, scoring mixers. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I know there's, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, you guys are very busy. Thank you so much for the time. And I figure, uh, you know, first of all, congratulations on the nomination. I, that's, that's really amazing. It's such a great show. Uh, the work you guys do is, is really amazing. We're going to dive into that here. Uh, but what, where I'd love to start is maybe just having each of you give a quick introduction of who you are and what your role is, you know, as a re-recording mixer, as a production mixer, as a scoring mixer, uh, certainly a lot of our, our listeners know exactly what those roles are and what they do. Uh, and a lot of our listeners don't. This might be new to them. And, and a lot of folks are, 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 are uh, trying to discover and explore this, this area. So maybe, Kevin, we'll start with you and, and have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am known as the effects re-recording mixer. 
and I cover effects, backgrounds, and Foley. My name is Larry Benjamin. I'm the re-recording mixer, and I work with Kevin. We're partners, and I handle dialogue and music. Uh, my name is Bill McGowan. I'm the scoring mixer, so I take all of the elements from Danny and Son, or the composers, and sort of refine them down to a set of stems that I send on to Larry for the dub. Okay, and Flip. I'm the production sound mixer, and I record the first elements of the sounds for these guys to work with and then hand it off and they do the magic that they do. <laughs> there are a lot of elements that go into creating uh, uh, you know, audio for a show like this. It's an, it's an amazingly visual uh, show, uh, you know, just really great color palette. Uh, but the, what you guys have been able to do on the audio side, I think really matches that. And I, I just think it's a really beautiful, cohesive piece. Uh, I know that there are a lot of challenges and stuff that go into that, but before even getting to that, you know, how do you guys approach it? So, you know, coming into season three, um, you know, how, how did you sit down and, 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 and figure out, you know, what your workflows were going to look like and how you were going to work with each other? Probably let uh, Flip take that first and sees the first uh, in the line of picking things up. Sure. Um, I think a, a lot of the issues were brought up. I came in for the last two episodes of season one. And then from there, we changed the way things operated. Um, I helped in creating the sound of what it's supposed to look like. And I mean, what it's supposed to sound like, because for me, it's, the sound is visual. Um, and it, it's also very much where the story is told. It's not all visual. It's a lot of it's happening in the soundtrack. So you have to listen carefully to those little nuances that happen that these guys put in. Um, and with the help of the talent and the crew, one of the things that has evolved is that we become a little family there and we help each other, which is really good because uh, I, I not only get help from the uh, DP, the, depart, uh, the director of photography, but I get help from the grips, I get help from the electrics. Uh, we've stopped the production and moved generators out of the way, uh, covered windows. Uh, the actors stopped doing a certain kind of action because it interferes with the microphone or their dialogue because they all hate to re-record, to do post. And uh, one of the things that happened with Jason, he said, you know, I really like you. And one of the things I hate is looping. And then he took a long pause <laughs> and looked at me and I said, I got that. So everyone is on board. And, and that is the most important part because we are, I feel the most neglected of all the other arts on the on the uh, on a set because everyone is working for camera and we work for the other half of the film the ones that sell the headphones in the in the plane or, or the ones that people don't think about and and we make it so you don't have to think about it we make it so that it's an enjoyable <laughs> feast for your eyes and your ears you don't need to say what did he say what are they saying? I hate that. And, uh, and then I give them as best the track that I can. My job is to give these guys the best narrative dialogue tracks that I can give them. And they create the magic that they do. And they really do. I mean, this is the best team I've ever worked with. And I've been doing this for more than 45 years. Wow. That obviously gets passed on. I do want to put a pin in something you said, you know, yes. about it being kind of this underappreciated and, and talking about how, you know, it's meant the, the work that you all do is really meant to 
not, you know, everyone wants to be able to understand what's being happening with the dialogue and certainly, you know, be able to drive a mood, but it's something that's, that you want it to be kind of invisible in a sense. And I think that does tend to mean that, you know, the work that you guys do, I want to say goes unnoticed, but in a sense, it's invisible because you want it to feel organic and very much a part of what's going exactly. on. You, you're pretty much a voyeur within the show. And, and for me, listening to a show and they, it's, a, it's a wireless microphone and then it goes to boom, I say, oh, it, it throws me out of the picture. And with these guys, I don't have to worry about that because they know how to mix it. And mm -hmm. the music doesn't dominate the picture. The music is part of the picture. So yeah. you, get the, you get what's happening by listening to the track. And they also help cover up a lot of the noise that I can. So been, <laughs> I've, I've noticed that there's a transition, like a little, like you hear the plane come and then the music goes up to follow up and it's beautiful. It's like uh, after watching it two or three times, you get to, I get to hear what these two guys do. That's pretty amazing. So Flip, from, 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 you know, from where your work happens, it then basically goes to Kevin and, and Larry? Yes, I record uh, a mixed track of uh, one and two, mm. left and right, and but I also record isolated tracks, just as a musician would do. So um, I don't mess as much as I could with EQ or balancing this stuff. What I do is try to give them good even tracks from the master to the close-up, so there isn't a change. So you, so you, it becomes visceral. You can. You can follow the dialogue without saying, oh, they just went close up and you hear the microphone talk but real close. I hate that. So uh, these guys understand. We've talked about it in the past. And um, whenever they ask me for something special, I give it to them. And, uh, and I, when there's a trouble, I try to keep notes for them and say, watch this, watch that. I can turn off the air. And, uh, you know, that'll help with the music as well as the mixing. And so communication is certainly key. So yeah, Larry, Kevin, when, when, when you guys get the stuff, what, what's your, what's your workflow? What do you, what do you guys do? There? It's wonderful. Flip and I have talked about this before in past uh, podcasts, but uh, the tracks are full and rich and organic sounding. They are very natural sounding. So the material that I start with to begin with, the raw material is excellent. And I use his master track and use the, the ISOs and everything has been cut for me. So I have a, a nice palette of uh, production sound to go within. And my job is really just to make everything intelligible and tread lightly not do too much noise cleanup. And, and the idea is and Kevin will get into what he has in terms of his backgrounds and all that. Uh, but the, the dialogue itself is, it's, you got to hear the story and you have to hear the nuances. There's so many little performance things that our talent gives us and Flip captures that in the field. And I don't always get that. Sometimes I get a very fragile, delicate track that you can't do too much to because it'll fall apart. This can withstand a lot, and uh, we don't have to do too much noise reduction because it's naturally captured properly and evenly. And then I also deal with the music, and I, I'll, I'll pass it off to Kevin and uh, Phil, but uh, Phil is such a rare treat to have. I don't normally get on the show a scoring mixer. Normally, I have to just take the, the raw tracks, usually stereo tracks, and kind of pan them where I feel or EQ them or whatever. Uh, I don't have to do that, and Philip does an amazing job at taking the music from the composers and really putting it in a space and panning it and EQing it and mixing it. And then when I get it, I can just weave it gently in and around dialogue. And it's already baked into this wonderful 5-1 palette. Uh, so I'll, I'll pass it to these guys and talk about their contributions. 
Sure. Kevin here with effects. Uh, unlike Larry, um, I don't have to deal with anything that's uh, shot on set and nasty um, or potentially nasty. I get nice primo sounds from uh, Nick Forshager at Wild Tracks. And um, um, as, as Flip said, if you, his job, when he's doing his job, if he does it properly, he really does not get any notice. Uh, and part of my job is like that, I think, in that backgrounds should be felt and not heard. I don't like to do, I don't like to do mixed backgrounds where they're jumping out at you and they're saying, look at me, look at me here, look at me here. Uh, have a nice 5-1 environment so you feel like you're in that world. And then on the effects side, you know, you get a nice great gunshot or, or, or a, a car chase, something of that sort. And that's when uh, the other side of what I do is, is more noticed because, you know, people like to hear the large, the bigger than life gunshots and the, the car that uh, goes by and sounds nothing like that, but in Hollywood it does. So it gives everyone a little jazz at home. And then Foley, Foley is just besides Foley being totally needed for the foreign mix is uh, the foreign mix is a win. Uh, we take all the elements and extract the dialogue and, and the Foley is there to support the, the, the world, if you will, it's uh, hands and feet. And so it's people walking and all the things that, that are in production that is stripped out when you take the dialogue out. And for, uh, for, for the domestic version, it's more supplemental, meaning that, uh, if, if Larry's dialogue track runs out of footsteps, I'll, I'll blend them in and carry the birth, the actor off stage. And, uh, for that, uh, it, depending on how, how much of that is in the, uh, dialogue track, but, um, uh, it's, it's kind of supplemental and it, it fills it out, but it goes in the you know, unnoticed category. You know, if you're noticing fully in, in any uh, respect, then it's probably not good, not good, not good fully, or maybe not well mixed fully. That brings us to music. Yeah. So Phil, your names have been mentioned already. You know, obviously I guess there's some of the music cues have already been delivered here and there. Uh, so, you know, that stuff's being weaved in, but having the ability to have you uh, work on the show, how do you kind of uh, see yourself fit into the, to the flow of everything? The music's great by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Danny and Sandra are great. They're uh, I've worked on, I just counted it up for other interviews. I think this is, I've done 37 projects with them now since I first started working with them wow. in 2015. Yeah. They're great guys. Um, yeah. They're really unique. Um, but basically, they they also work in Pro Tools, which is really fun for me. So they just send me their Pro Tools sessions once cues are approved by producers and directors. Um, and then I basically conform it to my template and do a 5-1 mix of it. Um, part of it is just organizing things into stems for Larry to make it consistent. So I have the same exact stem layout that goes to Larry for every single cue. So it's not like, oh, this cue, what are these all stems? It's the same every time <laughs> they use the same set, set template. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel too much because the demos that Danny and Sondra have done in stereo have already been approved. They, they're, you know, Jason and whatever other producers are listening to it have gotten used to that. So I'm just trying to enhance it and sort of refine it and sort of take what they're trying to communicate and just make it a little bigger, a little deeper, a little clearer so that it sits against dialogue. Cause I guess that's the main challenge with Ozark as far as the music is Danny and Sondra distort like 80% of what's in that score tons of stuff is really crunchy and really gritty so it's really easy for the mid-range to kind of get out of control and sort of stand in the way of dialogue 
So without taking away the character of it, I'm trying to find a balance between clearing it up so other things, effects and dialogue can sit in the mix okay, but still have the, you know, kind of gritty um, vibe that Danny and Sondra are going for. And then, you know, since I had their session, I can see what reverbs they use and things like that and sort of mimic it in, in surround. Um, you know, I ditched their reverbs because they don't even they don't even stem out their sessions. It's literally just everything assigned to a stereo bus. So when I do stems and things like that, I have to kind of figure out the reverbs. But um, yeah, it's just kind of main, maintain their vibe without totally reinventing the wheel. Because if they hear it on the stage, it's a totally different sounding cue. It might freak out producer right. things like that. Hey, Phil, I, I, I have to tell you that you're you what you're doing with the music mixed wise because you're delivering delivering five one stems, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're mixing and the the what the composers are doing is just phenomenal. I mean, it, it's it's such it's such a character in the show. I, I just had to pass that along. Uh, it's it's just remarkable stuff. Thank I you, agree. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, me I, too. I just look forward to listening to his what he did behind or weaved because it's like weaving uh, a, a, a cloth. I, I can hear it going through, but I'm also super hearing it, uh, or super listening, not hearing it. Uh, because I, I once I listen to the show, I go back and see what what was it that made me feel that way, that made me look at this or that. And uh, yeah. I see it comes from both mixes, the mix, the post-mix, and the what Phil is doing. Yeah, very important what Phil's doing, what he described, clearing it up. It's it's important so that it can live in the space with this wonderful dialogue and all these beautiful yeah. effects. Uh, it, it's great. And and I can tell you it's great because I've often had to mix with the demos because, uh, you know, Phil is right on my tail uh, doing the, the final mix. And I'm like, wow, that's a huge improvement. It's like it really cleared up. The low end is still there. It's strong. It's punchy. But now it's we've got some space to work with. So it's nice. And then the sound field really opens up. And, and that's what I love. Yeah. You know, it's very enveloping. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I mean, I also appreciate you guys because when I, when I watch the show on Netflix, and my, I have a little home feeder 5.1 setup in the living room. And the music always feels really well represented. I remember on the first season, I, I, I emailed Larry. We hadn't met yet, but after I watched the first season, I was like, hey, I really loved how the music translated. Like, did you do anything to it? Did you do it or whatever? And I was happy to hear that it pretty much was my stems kind of going through. Just Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I try not to uh, process anything or work with anything, if, especially if someone like a scoring mixer has already done that. Why do I need to do that? If there's not a problem, if it works... I need, just need to level it, mix level. And obviously him providing stems is fantastic because it gives us the opportunity. Normally I just ride them all at Unity, but if there's an instance where the percussion gets in the way or, or Jason doesn't like where this one little weird tamale thing is hitting or this weird you know, bottle hit, uh, we can just go in on that individual stem and you know, mute them out. I mean, it, it's, it sounds to me that, that obviously there's a lot of work that goes into to these kinds of shows and you guys obviously care very much. You're, very, you're all excellent at your craft. But you guys actually sound to me more like a band than a group of, than a group of engineers that, 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 that have to, you know, work taking, taking something and then work doing your part of it. You guys very much, what I mean to say by that is you guys sound very much in sync, which is really great. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's so many specific individual and then group challenges that, that you guys have to, 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 to work through. Um, and, you know, it just, and I think that really shows I remember when when season one was happening, I, I saw a couple of the stills from the show, and I just felt, you know, I'd read a couple of little bylines, and I'm like, okay, this is this this is something I think I'm really going to be into. I, I also really love Jason Bateman, 
I felt that there was going to yeah. be something quite special here. I hadn't heard anything. I hadn't, there was no trailer or anything. I'd seen a couple of the stills. And the first thing in my mind was, I wonder what this is going to sound like. If, if, if the sound of this will match the depth of what I'm looking at visually here, this is going to be amazing. And, and you guys have really done that. Uh, someone, I think, I think Phil, you might have said, or somebody said that the, uh, the, 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 the music actually has become a character, but it, it, it plays off so well with the dialogue and the way everything's mixed and it's mixed so well. So I have a five, one surround system here and I love watching the show and most shows, uh, you know, in surround the, the, the weight and, you know, this is one of the shows that I really feel like I get the the organic depth of what is actually happening. And it that includes mood, weather, I mean, you know, which some people may, may not even <laughs> think about, but I really get a great sense without having to think about it. So, you know, kudos to you guys for that. Um, and on that, I did want to ask, so obviously, Flip, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not working on a protocol system. You're basically, you know, recording some stuff directly. Where are you? are out in the field. Uh, the rest of you, just you know, at some level, some some way, you're, you're working in Pro Tools. But as you're, you know, really flip on your end, I wanted to ask: Are you thinking about how things are going to be placed in the mix, surround-wise, when you're capturing this stuff? Or is that part of your? I didn't. I didn't start until like season uh, three, or was it season two, with the boat stuff where the uh, speed wagon was in it. So I started recording stuff. <laughs> where they sorry, could, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing at the wagon. That, that was very funny. Wagon. <laughs> well, because uh, never mind. Anyway, because um, I just gave him more ambient sound so that he could be going from the background to the foreground. I recorded there was we had um, loudspeakers, so I recorded the loudspeakers in the micro in the in the boom mic, and then I got the wires do the close-up so they can do the transitions. And I started thinking about the 5-1 because I also listen to it in my house at 5-1 and my wife's always saying, do you have to listen so loud? So <laughs> I want to hear everything, okay? It's our work. And I, she says, what do you mean ours? She says, well, it's a team. We do this. This is weaving. This is all very highly skilled mixing guys. You know, one does the music, one does the post, one does the effects, and we all like to hear our work mixed together blend become a, a part of that weave so yes and she said never mind she walked out the room so she watches <laughs> it on her own on headphones because well I, I appreciate what you the sentiment of what you're saying and I, and I think hats off to netflix for presenting it uh, very very close i would say identically to here, here. and that's not necessarily the case on every platform it's the the technical uh, presentation of it looks great visually and sounds great. Uh, it's a really, you know, seamless, transparent representation. Mm -hmm. So I did have a question for you guys. When when you guys uh, start working on a Pro Tools session, is it does this become, you know, what, what does your workflow look like? Just a kind of a high level overview. Is it you, you guys are working off of uh, one session that has uh, kind of a, a, you know, a backup or two archived, you know, I mean, we back up like every minute just in case there's a power hit. And Kevin and I, <laughs> we've worked at a bunch of facilities around uh -huh. town. And we have literally had power hits. Uh, remember we were working in Culver City? It was regularly. We had to have a generator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The computers just so we could squeeze off a backup. But uh, yeah, we back up every minute. We work in mm -hmm. templates and in super sessions. So I have the dialogue, the ADR, the group, and the music in one session. And Kevin is working with the backgrounds, the effects, and the foley. And Kevin, how many tracks would, would you say you have in a particular episode? Oh, Lord. Uh, 
probably, I'd say around 300. Right. Uh, I've, I've been out to, on a, on a uh, yeah, I've been out to 400, but it, it just gets a little crazy. Uh, but there are a lot of five, five O tracks, five one tracks, quad tracks, uh, and, 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 and busing. So it does eat up some voices and tracks, but yeah, yeah it's out there. Big. Yeah, it's up so, there. So we're all working, you know, from the composers to Phil to us, uh, in Pro Tools, uh, right up through the end, through the delivery when we deliver to Netflix and we're working on an Avid S6, uh, control surface. Uh, one, uh, what, one thing about to back up about, uh, Pro Tools, uh, Nick, uh, Forshager from Wild Tracks, uh, he, he runs the tracks, all my tracks before they get to me. Uh, and I don't know if many people do that anymore, but he does. And he'll add anything that he, that he, uh, thinks is necessary. And he's really good at muting or adding things to help the story. And he really goes with the story, I think as we all do, but he's, he's very story driven, not just tech driven, you know, let's, let's add a, a sub to this just because it'll be cool. It's like, no, it doesn't belong there, but uh, he works in my template. So when my, when that drive gets to the stage or, or is uh, emailed to emailed, and that, I mean, it's transmitted over the series of tubes we call the internet to the, to the stage. Um, all we do is open it up and, and I, I take my effects output, my uh, sound design output, BG output and Foley output, and just reassign it to what hits the re recorder on stage. So there's no swapping in, uh, you know, two hundreds and hundreds of tracks into, um, even if you have matched tracks, you know, it's still cumbersome. So we just open up the session and, and uh, uh, reassign the output. So it, it works real well. One of the things that strikes me is that, you know, in, in Hollywood and we are wherever this kind of work is being done, there's so many different types of workflows that it, it pretty much seems to be, uh, you know, an amalgamation of, of, you know, well, this is how Larry likes to work. This is how Kevin likes to work. This is how, you know, and you kind of piece all these things together. So yeah. there's really no one size fits all uh, kind of, kind of uh, uh, solution, mm -hmm. which I think is also, uh, I, I think that does go back to the, the whole idea in my mind, which is, you know, the, the work that you guys do is is an art form and there it's not you know it, yeah there are things that you that you learn there are things that you know there's certain practices uh you know things that, that you've learned in your craft but you know at, at some point it becomes you as 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 a as a painter as a creator really defining what that's supposed to look you know and and, and you know sound like which i think is amazing and that, that the thing that really right. kind of uh influences me as a musician, uh, you know, hearing your, your work, uh, all of you and, uh, having, you know, work that's not necessarily music with the, with the exception of, of, of Phil in, in, in the context of this, but all of that really does, um, form a lot of us who are musicians. So I, I've got, you know, a ton of colleagues who were, who were, you know, music musicians as well. And, you know, I would say that a lot of our, you know, playlists that we talk about all the time, uh, tends to be actually shows uh, and film, and it's actually your guys' work that informs a lot of what we do as, as musicians. Yeah. So we're very thankful for that. Uh, you're very kind. Well, uh, you know what's interesting is uh, Kevin and I have been told that the music on Ozark has been used to temp in music on other shows, and uh, <laughs> which is funny because it's such a specific 
sound. Kevin and I worked on another show this summer that the composer, you could tell, was informed the style of uh, Ozark, you know, some of those same kind of uh, uh, arrangements and instruments. So it's been very kind of influential. And our workflow is basically we have three days to deliver a show. The first day is Kevin and I left to our own devices uh, pre-dubbing. And so I'll be working on the dialogue in one scene. Kevin will simultaneously be working on the backgrounds and uh, effects and working independently but simultaneously so there's some overlap. Uh, and sometimes we share the speakers, so that's the only way we can get done. We, we spend about a day and a half. And then the second half of the second day, the picture editors will come in, and they've worked with Jason and Chris Mundy, the showrunner, and uh, have really defined the sound of, from the temp. And then they'll sit and give us notes, and, and we tweak. But during our pre-dub, I mute the music. I want to give the music its own pass and concentrate on that. Some mixers play music right out of gate and I don't think that's a lot of balls to juggle I'd rather just juggle two balls and not drop one and then you know then I can go like this just to the uh, music I can just pay attention to that and while I do that then Kevin has already locked off the backgrounds and effects he can then just concentrate on the foley so we kind of go in passes little layers if you will and by the end uh, we have a finished soundtrack uh, uh, so the, the end of the second day we'll have done our fixes for the picture editors and then the third day is entirely for playback and fixes for uh, for Jason Bateman for Netflix MRC as well as Chris Mundy uh, so yeah three days wow. I'm just turned. I mean you, you make it sound so easy Larry <laughs> we obviously obviously it's not <laughs> I did have just a couple of couple of other questions so you, you just mentioned Jay, Jason's been mentioned several times here obviously you know a very huge part of the show how how it seems it sounds to me as if he's very involved on, on every level and, and he sounds very passionate. I mean, it, it, you know, how, how much, what level of involvement does, does he have as, as it pertains to, to audio? Well, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from, the, from the very, from the very beginning, you know, uh, he made those points that, you know, I don't like to loop and you just tell me what there's a problem. I mean, we've stopped a, a, a scene and discussed, is it important to have the flame in the fire? And a philosophical discussion with Jason about this is, okay, well, I want the flame, so we'll, I will sacrifice that. But it's not, it's not something that I could normally do with someone who is not only the leader of the show, but the, the main character. He would, they would not listen to that kind of talk. And I think Jason, different from other people, He's, he's so involved in, in creating that whole image that uh, he listens to that. So, and, and he'll correct things when he can, and he'll turn it off when he has to. Uh, and, and I don't get that from other people. That's why it's so wonderful to work on this show. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it, really make, it, really makes it really makes a difference, too, when, when uh, you, you're allowed to bring those things up and change things. You know, because in the end, if there's something going through the whole scene you know, Larry's got to deal with it and it just makes a, a less great scene and, and, and speaking of Jason I said a lot like boy is he a pain in the ass I didn't mean it that way he just knows everything and he just he, uh, he knows every aspect of the business and, and including, including uh, yeah including audio and uh, wh what that means is he his involvement just makes things better he doesn't muck things up and 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 just do things because uh, oh i just want to do this he does it in, in with i want to make this better in the end in his right. head and that it, it makes all the difference in the world he orchestrates you know he, he's he's like a conductor of the band 
he's the one who's he, he knows everybody's job he knows what you're supposed yeah. to be doing and if you're having problems he wants to know at every level yes uh, he's very sharp he's been on the stage very uh articulate he knows what he wants he's very decisive and yet as kevin was saying he doesn't get into the weeds mm -hmm. on the detail into the minutiae he, he assumes that at this level that we're all uh, commensurately competent so he doesn't focus on i don't know is that the right surface of the footstep it's like he'll yeah. focus on story-wise is that cue working is that do we want to put a different sound effect here do we want to dial away the backgrounds but he knows the lexicon of sound mixing he really does he knows the language of it uh and as flip accurately said there's very little looping in the show i could hardly think of uh you know he, he could do an entire season's worth of adr in a, a short afternoon uh, so yeah, and so kudos to, to you for that and for him for demanding that and demanding uh, it. Yeah. And, and that's, everybody kind of brings their a game because he expects <laughs> that and he knows the DP, what lenses they're using because he's directed episodes. He knows, well, this is going to be a one -er, and then in, in this piece of action here, I want to, to go with this and the lighting situation should be this. Like he knows all aspects of it. So you're right. Very wow. well. Well, I, I did want to kind of wrap up with, uh, you know, one last kind of final thought on my end, uh, which is really kind of centers back on, again, congratulating you all on the nomination. Also, uh, Kevin and Larry, you guys are also nominated for your work in El Camino, uh, with the Breaking Bad movie, which is also great. So congratulations to you guys. Um, you know, we're, we're so incredibly grateful for, for you to give us uh, the time, but I wanted to give you guys an opportunity uh, here at the end, you know, if there's anything else you wanted to add or mention, or, you know, if you wanted to thank anyone, or, you know, just, I wanted to give you guys the floor for uh, a minute or two, uh, <laughs> if there's anything you wanted to, uh, to say. <laughs> uh, i like to, i like to thank MCR for their support, Chris Mundy for his vision and writing, Patrick Markey for his leadership, Jason Bateman and the cast for their talent, uh, and a thanks to my team, Jared Watt and Akira, which I could never do what I can, and a shout out to Post Production for their effort, efforts of Bear Fruit with Larry and Phil and, and Kevin, who we <laughs> never see, but we hear. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Flip. That was a great, Flip. Uh, yeah, yeah, I certainly want to thank uh, Nick Forshager from Wild Tracks and his crew, Jane Bogle, and uh, let's see, the Foley folks at uh, Bespoke Post. They're from New Zealand. They do a terrific job uh, with Foley artistry. Uh, obviously, uh, Aaron Mitchell, our producer, uh, Netflix, MRC, and uh, the folks over at Formosa Group. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think Larry covered most of mine. I'd just like to say, hey, Nick because he's my partner in crime and I love working with him. And I'd like to thank my wife, even though she'll never hear this, uh, I'm sure. And I'm glad none of you guys thanked my wife because then it would be a little strange. That would be awkward. But <laughs> I'd, I hats off to Denise for putting up with the long hours and me in general. And uh, thank you, Phil. Yeah, thank you. I think I'd mostly like to thank Danny and Sonder for having me on board. Um, also, Jason Trigot Newman and his whole team do a great job at taking the music. They're the music editors. He, he's the music editor of the show, and he has a couple of people working with him. And then also on Danny Asander's team, uh, Chase Dezzo and James Newberry uh, both do a lot of great work, in especially prepping sessions and sending them over to me from Danny Asander. I, I was remiss, if I may add, just uh, Steve Grubbs, the co-supervisor, has been great. He works a lot with the dialogue and ah, AR, very good. Uh, and group. Uh, and, of course, Steve Lotwis uh, and Jason Trigo Newman, who work with the, the music editing. Awesome. Yeah, I'd like to 
I'd like to thank you all on this conversation. Yeah, me too, too for everybody. <laughs> and also thank you, Netflix, for having, I think, probably the best sounding streaming service out of anything. Uh, there's other services out there that really need to put a bigger weight on their streaming quality as far as the audio goes. Yeah, Agreed. I agree. And thank your wife for me. Again, thank you guys so very much. You know, uh, you guys are absolute rock stars and I cannot wait to hear what's next for all of you. Uh, I, I know that we find ourselves in a very strange time. Uh, I, you know, want to wish you and uh, you know, all of you, uh, all your family, your loved ones, uh, you know, to, to stay safe. And uh, again, good luck on, on the, uh, on the nominations. Thank uh, you. And we look forward Thank to hearing, you. Uh, you know, what's next. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have you all back at some point. And uh, again, thank you guys. And we will, uh, we will see you soon. I hope you all enjoyed that uh, interview with the Ozark Season 3 audio team. Again, want to thank Kevin, Larry, Flip, and Phil uh, for the time we spent, obviously, a team that really works well together. They really enjoy working with each other uh, and we hear the great results of uh, all that hard work and craftsmanship. So again, thank you to the team and congrats on your Emmy nomination. And guys, that's pretty much our show. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. Again, we've spent a little bit extra time uh, in the show. We wanted to uh, make sure we highlight and celebrate these really amazing, talented folks and the work that they're doing. Um, before we leave, I just wanted to quickly uh, mention a couple of things. Again, uh, we at Avid want to say congrats to all of our users and customers who were nominated for an Emmy uh, in uh, this 2020 season. Um, we wish them all the best of luck. Obviously, we've highlighted some of the great talent here, but we've got many other users and customers who have been nominated, so we wish them all the very best of luck uh, come Sunday, September 20th. Make sure you tune into the Emmys. I also just wanted to quickly point out uh, there are some other ways that uh, you can Keep engaged with us here at Avid. Obviously, the the, the podcast uh, is going to continue happening. Uh, we'll we'll roll out another episode pretty soon. But I wanted to make sure you're aware that we have some uh, audio webinars that we're doing uh, pretty regularly. Uh, we call them our audio community plugin events, and those are happening on Tuesdays. Uh, we're typically alternating Tuesdays. The dates are kind of changing a little bit, but uh, make sure you come and check those out. We've had some really great guests covering things from remote workflow. Um, I did one specifically on creating electronic dance music, and we've got some other really great guests all the way throughout the end of the year and more planned. Uh, please do make sure you come and check those out. We'll also have those on demand if you're not able to make it. We have some time for Q&A with everyone, and, and uh, it's a really great time had by all. I also wanted to point out that we have a series that we launched, uh, specifically our pre-sales audio team, our worldwide pre-sales audio team, a uh, rock star group of uh, guys and girls uh, across the globe have started what we call Pro Tools Tech Tips. Now really what these are, these are very usually small, one to two minute, you know, very quick uh, tips and tricks videos that basically feature a workflow, a feature, uh, and show it to you in a very quick and easy way. Now. I believe we've got more than 60 or so videos already posted and they cover everything from working in Pro Tools, setting up things like your Matrix, Matrix Studio, Dadman, walking through things like delivering your Dolby Atmos music mixes via Avid Play. Uh, it really covers the gamut, so make sure you check those out. You can find the entire playlist at avid.com slash Pro Tools Tech Tips. That's one word, Pro Tools Tech Tips. 
So guys, we will be back soon. We'll have a new episode coming up. Make sure you subscribe to get all the latest info and what we're going to be talking about. We've got some great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Stay safe, keep creating, and we will see you next time right here with me, Greg Strike Chin, on the Audio Evangelist, an avid podcast. Take care, everyone.